Welcome to the Vineyard Church of Greater Portland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more podcasts and other resources, please visit www.vineyardportland.org. It's great to be here, as it has been the last 24 or so years that I've been here, to be with family and to come and worship and just encounter the Lord together and see what the Holy Spirit has for us. And so today we're going to be looking at our friend Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a, a, is a character we often hear about with children um, because I guess the stature of Zacchaeus perhaps, but there's so much more in it. There's so much richness in this story. Um, in studying it again this week, I just found, Lord, really? Really, how could that be? And then you dig into some of the supplements and so forth, and it's just so rich. So I'd like to share that with you today. As an introduction, um, in our message uh, series, we are looking at people who have had um, an encounter with us before. We've heard about them. We've read about them oftentimes. Um, Why are they really and looking through spiritual eyes that we can also look through is one of our questions here. What was Jesus' intent for them, with them, and through them? Jesus was on his way from teaching large crowds of people, Pharisees and tax collectors and such. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God on his way to Jerusalem for the last week of his life. The road was known to be dangerous and difficult from the Jordan in the east to Jericho, which was a crossroads, to Jerusalem in the west. Jericho is said to be one of the oldest cities in the world and also one of the the lowest city in the world at 780 feet below sea level. It was also called an oasis by some folks. They would go there and have their vacations and so forth yet it was only 15 miles from Jerusalem. Prior to reading today's text, I'd like us to consider the related parable that Jesus had just shared on his journey. And this comes from Luke 18, 9 through 14, and I'll read that out of the NIV. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told the parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like them, the others, people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tenth of what I make. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt himself will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'd like us to take a look, please, at the word but. B-U-T, as I would have to describe to second graders. 
Um, <laughs> uh, when the word but in scripture comes, particularly at the very beginning of a sentence, you know that there's a pivot going on. There's an about face going on. It's like, come on, listen up, because this is the good stuff. So I know in my Bible, I oftentimes circle the word but just because let's listen up here. Here Jesus has told the crowd in a story what happens to the one, even the rich, who leave the old life and find the kingdom of God. The Gospel of Luke is the only place in Scripture where we find this story of Zacchaeus and his interactions with Jesus. Here we have Zacchaeus the tax collector. Now I'm going to read from Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, if you'd like to join me. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We come to a portion here called greed. Not a word that's a real pleasant word, not a delightful word, not a pretty word, but a word. And so in the New International Commentary of the New Testament of the Gospel of Luke, Joel B. Green refers to the tax collector often as toll collectors. Like the Pharisees, the toll collector stands apart from others in the temple, but it quickly becomes obvious that their actions are differently motivated. Within this social world, the tax collector is a person of low status, a deviant. He has no place among the others, nor does he attempt to seize a place by asserting his honor. Here in Luke 19, 1 through 10, Zacchaeus was not only a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. He would have lived a laverage life on the common man's dollar, yet there was nothing they could do about that. He would not only have received a salary from the government and most likely made some money on the side, but because he was the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus would probably have taken a cut from the tax collectors under him. How much like the individuals today there are in some offices behind computers, often heard of how easily hands can get dirty. Much the same. There are other kinds of wealth today, though. Knowledge, physical ability, hobbies, toys, education, pride, 
None of these are wrong, but the difficulty comes when they take over the place that the Lord desires for us, the first place. In Exodus 20, verse 12, according to the NIV, you shall have no other gods before me. Zacchaeus was curious. He was inquisitive. He wanted to see Jesus, but there was an obstacle in his way. His height. Truly, his being short made him unable to see Jesus. I'm just going to take a little sidetrack. A number of years ago, teaching second grade, I had a little girl by the name of Joy as a student. And Joy was a little more petite than other second graders. And her mom came to me one day and said, Mrs. Olson, Joy's having a real difficulty with kids teasing her and bullying her because of her height. Now, in some ways, maybe Zacchaeus could relate to that. So we sat down one day, and Joy and her mom came in, um, and so Joy was pouring out her heart. You know, Mrs. Olson, I don't understand, I can't help it, da-da-da-da. And so I went over to my desk, and I took a, a photograph off of my desk. And this is a photograph that actually Denny Beausoleil took of Scott, Ben, Isaac, and I many, many years ago. And so here I am in the front with Isaac, Ben, and Scott. Now, for those of you who don't know Ben and Isaac, Isaac is 6'6", Ben is 6'3", and Scott is 6'4". I'm 5'2". So, so I showed Joy the picture, and I said, you know what, Joy? I know exactly what you're talking about. Because just that we're short, not because just that we're short, but there's so much within us that's good. Plus, they don't look quite as tall if we weren't quite as short. <laughs> so, you know, I come, to, I come to Zacchaeus, and Joy was one of the first um, little examples that I heard of. But sometimes there's ridicule there if not somewhere else in who we are. Zacchaeus could not see over the crowd, so what did he do? By his own curiosity and inquisitiveness, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. Now, sycamore trees are in the fig or mulberry tree family. They can grow as high as 130 feet. And in diameter, they may be 4.9 to 6.6 feet. They're big. But why wasn't it an olive tree? Why wasn't it some other kind of tree? Why a sycamore? Okay, you can see it. But I think the Lord, in his detailing way, had other plans. It was not only easy to be seen, but according to Explorer Travelers magazine, A sycamore tree symbolizes strength, protection, eternity, and divinity. Now, that was from a worldly magazine that they're saying that. God is so into the details. I love that Zacchaeus ran ahead to be sure to see Jesus. He had to leave his job, his area, in order to focus on Jesus. Then we come to the grace part. Jesus had grace planned for Zacchaeus, just like he does for us. 
There was no or is no trick. Neither was there a quesada, sada situation with Jesus. There is no mistake or chance detail, nor was Jesus merely using Zacchaeus as an empty example of the parable he had shared about on his way. Jesus chose Zacchaeus. In Luke 19, verses 5 and 6 in the NIV, we read, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. From the Greek translation, the sixth verse reads, And hastening, he came down and welcomed him rejoicing. Isn't it cool that Jesus looked up first? Zacchaeus didn't have to wave his arms. He didn't have to jump up and down and scream. Jesus simply came along and looked up. I love it. When Jesus came to town, when Jesus and Zacchaeus' eyes met, something dramatic happened. Zacchaeus' curiosity, God's grace in the inquisitiveness, was the seed or the beginning of a breakthrough from greed and callousness. Zacchaeus' focus was on Jesus alone. Just walking in the presence of Jesus changes a person, even the most sinful individual. Grace softens the heart. It allows walls to come down and barriers to be removed. The people noticed Jesus' focus on Zacchaeus and that Jesus would actually go to the house of a man they saw as a sinner. In Luke 19, verse 7, in the NIV again, it says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And I say it that way because, do you think Jesus had a plan that he wanted all of them to see this? Part of the testimony, part of the grace, he wanted them to be in the presence of his grace and watch it as it unfolded in Zacchaeus' life. There are two things here. There's the crowd, and there's Zacchaeus. The crowd remembers Zacchaeus' past. Zacchaeus is new and complete in his focus on Jesus. The blame Jesus was going to get going to Zacchaeus' house. And then Zacchaeus rejoiced and wanted to go to his house. Jesus wanted him to go to his house. Then the crowd was noticing the impurity. It was really evident. But Zacchaeus was only focused on the purity. Grace leads us to repentance and follows us through the, to the other side and beyond. In Romans 2 verse 4, and this is from the Passion Bible, we read, do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? 
Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? Let's keep in mind here that according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, extravagant is defined as exceeding the limits of reason and necessity. Extremely or excessively elaborate. We don't know the details of what happened at Zacchaeus' house, although it would be pretty cool to know. But just as in our hearts, Jesus so intimately and privately works in us, we do know the result of Jesus' visit. How do we know? We look at Luke verse 8, and this is again in the NIV. Lord, look, Lord, and how and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Theologian N.T. Wright says the tax collector himself speaks to Jesus in public and gives evidence of his extravagant repentance. We find that Zacchaeus owns what he did wrong. He admits his wrong, not that of the government. He doesn't blame anyone, but his wrong. He promises to restore those he wronged. In Matthew Henry's commentary, he states, God allows room for grace, and so must we. Saying a statement of repentance in isolation can, but at times does not necessarily prove the heart's intent. In this text, Zacchaeus surprises, or excuse me, surpasses what is expected to repent. Again, Matthew Henry states, he does not think that his giving half his estate to the poor will atone for the wrong he has done. It is no charity but hypocrisy to give that which is none of our own. And we are not to reckon that our own which we have not come honestly by. So Zacchaeus proved his complete, sincere repentance in paying four times what he owed others. Then we come to the part that's the glory. In Luke 9 and 10, 19, 9 and 10, in the Passion Bible, we hear, Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you and your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Because Zacchaeus came to full repentance and received Jesus, his entire household was blessed, and the Lord received the glory. Now, in my own family, um, you know, you think of who maybe in your life and your family started the Christian walk. It might be you. It might be someone not too far removed from you. But I think of in my family, um, my grandmother, Mary Ann McFate Tordoff, a sweet little Scottish woman, came to America, and she was a woman of fervent prayer and great faith. 
And she shared that with her, her family. So my father and my, sis, my aunts, his sisters, served the Lord in their churches and, and shared the salvation message with people. Then I think of my generation and I think of my brothers, how all three of them have served the Lord in their churches and in the surrounding people in their lives. And I think of the blessings in my life of having gone to um, Christian schools and worked in full-time and part-time ministry as well as the people the Lord has put in my circles. And then I think of the next generation. And my nephew Mark uh, was general manager of WMSJ for a number of years. And um, his children have come to know the Lord and Rachel is serving the Lord. And then nephew Kevin, who is Mark's brother. Um, Kevin works for Hope International Ministries. And Hope International goes out and they, they seek out the people who are, who are hurting and they can help them and they can bring salvation to them through practical ways. In fact, today, Kevin and his daughter, Caitlin, are in Burundi doing just that. Kevin's son, um, Luke, is a student at Gordon College seeking out the call of God in his life. And so, I think of my grandmother and that simple little Scottish lady praying for her family, praying for generations of our family, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did through her. Then we have a precious friend, many of us, and her name is Mary Ellen Sawyer. And Mary Ellen Sawyer is one powerhouse for the Lord. She may be under five feet tall, but she is one powerhouse for the Lord. Born with a disability, Mary Ellen, at the age of just about three, was in her home, and the television was there, but it wasn't on. And so she called to her mom, and she said, Mom, would you turn the television on? And so Carol did, and she came in, and Oral Roberts was on TV. Oral Roberts was leading people in salvation messages and praying for healing because of Mary Ellen's disability at a little three-year-old. She kind of perked up on that, even at three years of age. And she saw little kids going up and being healed and crutches being let go and wheelchairs being put off to the side and little ones running up and down the aisles. Mary Ellen thought, I like this. I think this is great. So as time went on, um, Mary Ellen sat there, and she did accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. So as the family grew, more and more people took notice of what Mary Ellen was doing, even at such a young age. And Mary Ellen was having regular conversations out loud with the Lord. And so as things went on, as time went on, Mary Ellen's mother became kind of curious. At this point, no one else in her family was saved. And so as Mary Ellen was taken to church, they were going to a mainline, rather liberal theology church, and she was in a Sunday school class. And in that Sunday school class, the lady was reading from Aesop's fables about the little red hen. And Mary Ellen, and as I was talking to her, you can hear her chuckle, because she said, I really like that story. Can you hear Mary Ellen? I can really like that story. It's very nice. But I really want to hear about Jesus and what he did for me and that he saved me. 
and so on. And, and so the lady's going, meets up with Mary Ellen's mother after church, and she said, you know, she has so much of God in her, I want in her, myself, what, what she has. And this isn't the place for her. So the lady gave Carol Sawyer the address for the Baptist church and said, you need to go there where she can get fed. So as a result, um, Carol Sawyer came to know the Lord. Her dad, Mike Sawyer, came to know the Lord. Her sisters, Janet, Vicki, and Rachel, came to know the Lord. And so as this was going on in their lives and they were getting older and the girls were teens, um, Mrs. Sawyer, loving the Lord, was working in the Baptist church with another lady by the name of Mrs. Vincent. Mrs. Vincent was an older lady, but she brought teens to know the Lord to a salvation message. But Carol and Mike Sawyer would have youth group at their house. Well, after all, they had all these girls. <laughs> so that, it was at their house where a lot of planting of the word came into these young people, one of whom has the name of Phil Strout, our national director of the vineyard, and Janet being his wife. And so through Mary Ellen coming to know the Lord and her faithfulness, and Mr. and Mrs. Sawyer and their faithfulness, and Vicki, whose husband was a pastor, and Janet, who is a wonderful woman of God herself and helped to bring Phil to the Lord, and then Phil Strout all over the world proclaiming the name of Jesus. And then their daughter, Jenna, who with her husband has now started vineyard, Saltwater Vineyard down in Saco. So all of this to say, along with Zacchaeus, that when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and our focus is on him and the grace is all over us, our household is blessed. And the generations are blessed. Whether we started or not, Mary Ellen started it in her family. The Lord gave this to Mary Ellen. And then look at what he's done through that. Jesus did not hang out on the sin in this story. He did not hang out on the greed. And I think this is the coolest part of all. There's only a couple of verses that even talk about the greed. But there are many more verses that talk about the grace. And the plan of Jesus, that he had all those details to bring Zacchaeus into the Lord's presence, into his, his uniting with Zacchaeus, is so beautiful. And then Jesus gets the glory. Let's ponder these questions. Where do we fall short? What is our greed or sin? What is the Lord saying that he would like to perfect in us? What is he touching that needs to be purified? Just as Zacchaeus, what obstacles need to be removed in order for us to fully receive Jesus' presence in that area? Zacchaeus climbed a tree so that he could see clearly and become pure. Are you and I willing to allow Jesus 
to enter into our most intimate places and pay no matter to even what our own flesh is saying? We know he is only good. He just wants to shower us with his grace, to walk with us. Do that about faith and repentance with expectancy of his beauty. Not only will he be, we be blessed when we step in, our families for generations will be blessed and walk in his grace. Let us bring him to the great glory he so greatly deserves. <laughs> 